Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey now, it's uh, the Mike and JD show, and I am Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD, by God Oliva. How are you doing, JD? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. I uh, had a had a pretty uh, pretty eventful week at work. We've got a lot of things lining up, and the uh, future is bright for me, so um, hopefully big things coming down the pike soon, but how are you? It's a very slow week, actually, over here. Um, school's getting about five weeks out, getting done with that, so just... Uh... Getting my summer plans underway, stuff ready. We've got Greco yeah. State next week. So, you know, so, oh, wow. yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So, you gotta, are you going to talk about your future plans that you mentioned to us, or is that still going to stay under wraps a little bit? Stay under, that's going to stay under wraps because nothing's, nothing's official until it's official. Okay. Yeah. Mike's not going to, yeah. Mike is not going to um, uh, blow up the, I got nothing. I'm on the spot. And I <laughs> dropped the freaking yeah. ball. No, I, I'm not going to blow up my own spot uh, just because nothing's official until it's official. But when it becomes official, I'll let everybody know that it's officially official. Uh, officially. Um, <laughs> well, official. But yeah. So uh, last week we had our debut episode of the Mike and JD show. And it was the most listened to show that JD and I have ever done. Um, I don't know how the hell we did it, but episode one, we came right out of the gate. We came out hot. We had the black mask. Um, we had some CM Punk talk, and we we did the best. We've done the best numbers that we've ever done before, and uh, so thank you guys, and thank you to everybody that shared the show and listened to the show and downloaded it and watched it on YouTube. I really appreciate it because I was quite nervous. I was like, I don't think we're gonna get the support uh, with uh, without doing the impact stuff because that's kind of what people know us for. But we branched out a little bit, and people seemed to really dug, dug it. Well, I think it would help us having a uh, WWE employee with the gimmick. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then CM Punk went ahead and did CM Punk stuff. So uh, that always helps. Yeah. So that ruled, by the way. Good on you for getting that whole thing set up, bringing on, bringing on Black Mask. And um, so when JD and I did the interview last week, uh, Black Mask, he was in the mask, obviously. But we could just hear his, like, regular voice. And uh, so JD had to get real creative after the show and put on a voice distorter. And so he had to just isolate Mask's voice and distort that voice and then keep our voices natural. And um, you said it was pretty easy, but it sounds super difficult to me. It took about an hour and a half. The The actual editing of it was easy. It was compressing the dang thing for video that took forever. So it was yeah. uploadable to Facebook or to uh, Facebook, to YouTube. So that took... This dog is on my freaking nerves tonight. Um, 
No, he's, yeah. So Astro's trying to be the star of the show. Oh, he is. He's <laughs> making noise. He's trying to explore stuff. I try to put him in bed with my wife, and he's like, "No, I don't want to go to bed. He's as bad as having a damn kid." <laughs> so, at some point, yeah. I may have to get up and just do something about this damn dog. But anyways, yeah, it was it was easy to um, isolate his voice. It was it just took time to render. It's not like it's hard. It just took time to render it out. But I knew it worked when uh, we popped the boss. Yeah. So when Garrett was like, "Hey, it worked," I was like, "I knew it. Yeah. I got it. That was yeah. a victory." Yeah that 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 was uh, that was awesome. I, that was my favorite thing that we've ever done on the show. And Mine we've too. we've interviewed like known wrestlers like you know we interviewed moose and steve macklin and we've done some other stuff we brought some journalists on but bringing on black mask i that was one of my favorite that was my favorite thing that we've ever done uh we hit a home run let's be honest mike you and i are both a couple of gimmicks ourselves so anytime we get to play with some gimmicks we're going to be on our (laughs) game i think yeah yeah it reminded me of the old like episodes of like hard copy or something like that whenever they'd be that's what i was going for yeah when they would interview somebody that was in like the witness protection program and Mm -hmm. like they would be all blacked out and be all darked out like in my head that's what we were doing and i i you pulled it off masterfully well, I was going to do that. I was going to isolate the video and I was going to darken. And then he showed up with that like black phone mask. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is even better. He's like, I think I got a yeah. mask. Will this work? And I was like, sure. Well, Let's... it works. It ended up working better because it's pro it wrestling. Mm-hmm. So he was he, he was in a gimmick. He was in a gimmick. And uh, for those of you that have asked, uh, that was not Michael Hayes. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, we, we got quite a few of those. Like, it They're like, tell me it's Michael Hayes without telling me it's Michael Hayes. It was not Michael Hayes. I promise you that. <laughs> Believe me, if it was Michael Hayes, first of all, we don't know who it was. We still don't know. No. If it was Michael Hayes, you and I would have made so many not so subtle Freebird jokes. It wouldn't have even been funny. Like yeah. I'd have been disappointed in us if we did not. No, did definitely not Michael the Hayes. Story? Did I tell you that I met Michael Hayes before? Did I ever tell you no. that? No, no, please. Okay. In 2014, WrestleMania weekend, right? I, I think I told the story on the, the old podcast, but I'll just tell it again. So, okay. weekend in 2014, it's in Santa Clara. Um, my 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 she she was my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now. She bought me WrestleMania tickets for my birthday because WrestleMania is always in April. And we we ended up we we wanted to get a hotel room for the weekend in San Jose. So we went to um, Hotwire. You guys ever you ever heard of Hotwire? The app Hotwire. Oh, yeah. So basically, you get you get on there, and then you put the vicinity of the hotel that you want, and then it kind of casts a net, and then it gives you the best deal. But it doesn't tell you the exact location of the hotel, and it doesn't tell you exactly how much, or it tells you how much it is, but it doesn't tell you the name of the hotel and the exact location. So you're kind of like in the dark a little bit. But we saw a hotel room that was uh, originally $500 that had been marked down to $100. They needed just to sell the room. So we, we jumped on it. We got it, right? And it was in San Jose, and boom, we get it. It's called the Fairmont in San Jose, one of the nicest hotels in the entire city. And we pull up to this place at the valet parking in a 2006 Volkswagen Jetta that uh, that my wife was driving at the time. And we pull, we pull up to the valet, and we look in. We look inside, and inside the big glass doors is a glass case WWE championship. Oh, wow. And, we're like, what the? and there's a line of people waiting outside the hotel because, you know, you got the creeps out there that uh, are looking to get their shit signed and, and do all that stuff. So there's a line of people there. They knew where the hotel was. They were scouting it. We pull up. We walk in, and there's wrestlers everywhere. 
And I was just like, oh my gosh, we are at the WWE hotel. So I actually stayed at the WWE talent and not only talent, the company, the company rented out the hotel for that weekend and they were all there. Talent executives, legends were there. The 49ers were there. That was the first people I saw when I walked in was the actual, like, um, the, the the defensive staff of the 2014 49ers, they were there. Um, so it was crazy. So I walk in. So anyway, to make a long story more boring, um, the next morning, so that night I went to NXT in San Jose, which was just about like a five-minute walk. And um, so I was up kind of late. I get up the next morning. I go down to go downstairs to grab some Starbucks, and I'm in line at Starbucks with Michael P.S. Hayes. I'm standing right behind this guy, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what do I do here? It's Michael Hayes. So he gets his Starbucks. I get my Starbucks. He's talking to Johnny Ace for a minute. And then me and Michael Hayes both proceed to the elevator where we're sharing an elevator to go up to our rooms. And in my head, this is a conversation that I'm having in my head. I wanted to say, uh, Michael, when I was like six years old, my dad bought me a best-of-world-class videotape from the flea market that was like dubbed-over tape that had handwritten in Sharpie, best-of-world-class, and I and I got to see all of your matches. And ever since then, whenever I tell people where I'm from because I moved around a lot as a kid, I always say Bad Street USA. That was what I asked him in my head. The oh. question that I actually asked him was, what are you wearing to the Hall of Fame tonight? <laughs> And he goes, and he just looks at me and he goes, you'll just have to see, brother. And then the, he gets off the elevator and was like, that was awesome. So, yeah, that was my, my Clay's story. Did I ever tell you about the, the time I worked for WWE? Uh, you know what? I, I think you mentioned it, uh, not on a podcast, but, yeah, go ahead and tell the story. So this is uh, 2016-ish. Yeah, Memorial Day 2016. My brother and I was working freelance f- uh, film video at the time. And my brother gave me a call and was like, hey, do you want to, I got a job tonight. Do you want to work or tomorrow night? You want to work with me? So what are you doing? He's an audio guy. He does boom mic stuff, wire stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I just need a PA. I'm like, I'm not a PA, production assistant. I'm like, I'm 35 years old. I'm like, I don't work PA. Like, that's insulting. I said, get off. Get out of here. He's like, I need a driver. I just need someone to come up with me to Green Bay and drive home. And I said, that's like a four and a half hour drive. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And he's like, it's WWE. Well, it's for Monday Night Raw. And I was like, what? Get out of here. He said, no, seriously, I was going to surprise you. Since you were expecting me to drive you all the way to Milwaukee, you were not going to, or to Green Bay, you were not going to tell me we were working for WWE. <laughs> what an idiot you think I am? And he's like, I thought you were a big idiot. Do you want to do this job or what? I'm like, all right, I'm in. I'm in. I'll do it. Just because I figured I would just do nothing. He's like, you're just going to hang out with me. All I need is a driver. So you just drive me up to Raw and, you know, you can drive home. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I figured I'm just going to get paid to drive. So that didn't happen. I get there and um, we have, remember the ride along show? Yeah. Yeah. I used to watch those. Yeah. We had the job that night was we were to wire up the car, the rental car with GoPros and audio gear. So um, they, they say, well, can you, can you help us with this? And I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. So I'm helping them. And I, I didn't, I didn't get paid for that work. I got paid for driving, but I was there. I'm like, Oh, this will take an hour. And then I can watch the show. I had, cause I was going to sit in the arena. It took four hours to wire everything up. And then I screwed up and I forgot to turn down the radio. So, uh, after the show was over, I got WWE catering. They're right. It rules. It was fantastic. <laughs> so after the show was over, which I missed the entire thing of, it was actually the episode where John Cena started feuding with AJ Styles. So oh, cool. I missed that because I was working. So they all come out and it turns out that it's going to be AJ Styles and the Good Brothers. I'm like, well, that's awesome. I'm trying that because they're the, they, these freelancers are like, do you, do you know anything about these guys? And I'm like, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I've watched a couple of these things, you know, and trying not to <laughs> trying not to make yeah. myself like a complete total dork that I'm already getting paid next to nothing to do this anyway. So my brother has to ride in the trunk to monitor audio for this whole show, and I got to follow in my Kia. So we drive from Deca- from uh, Green Bay down to uh, Rockford, Illinois, and apparently they turned on the radio, and I forgot to turn it down, so it blasted everybody, and it made the final show. So if you see that clip, that's my fault that that happened. Um, so anyway, I get to the hotel. I'm checking in. They're all going crazy. They're, everyone's being nuts. It's probably like 2 in the morning, and uh, I'm wearing my Stanford wrestling T-shirt. My buddy used to coach at Stanford. And AJ Styles goes, Stanford wrestling? I said, yeah. I said, my friend is a coach out there. We coach off-season Greco stuff. And AJ's like, oh, I used to wrestle too. So we had a 12-minute conversation about amateur wrestling in the hotel lobby at 2 in the morning. AJ Styles just picked me out because, oh, I saw your ears. And like, yeah. I said, what are you doing? So I was freelancing tonight for the show. I'm I'm a video guy. And so we just bullshitted about amateur wrestling for 15 minutes, 12 minutes, actually. I timed it. So that was my, I worked for WWE. And then I shared a, <laughs> shared a uh, elevator with Road Dog. It wasn't nearly as cool. But yeah. My, yeah. my 12 minutes with AJ was kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, he would be, he would be fun to talk to, man. Um, he was. Uh, yeah. He seems like a, like a, just like a genuinely nice guy that AJ he, Styles. He was, he could have said, I'll stand for wrestling. Cool. Or nothing. And just ignored me. <laughs> yeah. But instead, he just decided to bullshit with some rando guy, you know, at uh, at 2 in the morning. So that was pretty cool. That's cool, man. Well, we got some cool WWE stuff to talk about. Um, they So John Pollock um, was in – was uh, I guess Jimmy Traina. You ever heard of Jimmy Traina? He does the know, Traina Thoughts podcast. I never listened to his podcast. I know the name just from seeing it floating around the internet over the years. Well, he had a guy on. I'm trying to – oh, gosh. I'm trying to click the link. I know he had a he had a guy on there that has written several books about um, about media. He's kind of like a big a big guy in um, in writing books about media. He's done a Saturday Night Live book. Um, he's got another book out. Well, anyway, he um, he was on Jimmy Trainer's thoughts for, on Sports Illustrated and was kind of talking like he thinks that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery could actually make a play for the WWE media rights. Man. That's really interesting. Um, that's really, really interesting that this comes out today because, like, we're there's a lot of this was a lot of hubbub, and um, my first thought was, well, yeah, why wouldn't they, right? Right. Like, especially because the um, I don't know if it's a rumor, if this is conjecture or what, right now, but the thought there's a thought that they could lose out in some of the NBA deals, right? And that's yeah. a big part of what of what's floating Warner Media. Tele- on the television landscape so i can understand them kicking the tires and seeing like hey maybe we should try to go all in on wwe i mean why wouldn't they why wouldn't they want to work with a prestige brand because that's what you know i'm not a big wwe fan but it's a prestige brand it looks good for your mm-hmm. ip you know to say hey yeah we got wwe involved especially now with their new merger there's extra tension they got that you have those ufc ties we know they're got that uh warner brother discovery has ties with Dana White. So it doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me at all, too, that WWE would talk to them. Now, that being said, um, I don't know how far this really goes, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, I you know, I don't know if if anything's ever gonna come of it, but if they're not talking to WWE, they're foolish. And if WWE right. is not open to going to Warner Brothers, they are also foolish. Right. Um Look, so if you if you're TNT TBS, and let's let's take away let's forget about the fact that they already have AEW, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
what is the one thing making USA a top brand in cable? It's WWE. It's it's WWE. You take WWE away from USA, and USA is completely out on its ass. It's a dead brand essentially. Oh yeah, they have no other hit shows other than WWE. Um, but you know TNT, TBS, they 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 have the NBA, they have Major League Baseball, they have hockey now. Um, and then if you add now, they're probably going to lose some of the rights for NBA, not all of them, but, but I think, um, maybe they're going to cut down the amount of games that they're going to air on their networks each week. So that's going to open them up for, for more, uh, top brands. And if they bring in WWE, like you said, it's a prestige brand. I think that keeps them right at the top of the cable heap, whether they decide to go on TBS or TNT. Now, why would they ditch AEW for WWE? Prestige um, brand. again, it's a prestige brand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you think that WWE programming, if they were to secure the streaming rights on HBO Max, do you think it would do better than AEW? Very oh, likely sure. it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very likely it would. And they're trying to get their Max brand over that, what, $120 million mark. And also, Warner Brothers Discovery already has a deal with the WWE over in the UK because they own BT Sport. And BT Sport is the uh, is the streaming home and the TV home of the WWE in the UK. So there's already a little bit of a relationship there. So I I, I don't think it's all that far fetched that uh, that Warner Brothers Discovery brings them on board. I don't think it's far fetched. I don't know if it's going to happen, quite frankly. Yeah. Like I think that um, we're definitely in the conversation window for both companies as far as media rights deals go. Um, is this a play? From did, does WWE plant the story? There's a good chance. I think there's a really no, good yeah. chance WWE planted the story. That's what you do. Like I think that there's a really good opportunity that WWE has here to kind of um, negotiate AEW's asking fee down and try to cost because that's what. Let's be honest. We talk about wrestling war, and those people don't want to admit that such a thing is possible, but. WWE would like to see them get less money as possible by being yeah. in the conversation. They can so you know it, it gives Warner Media an, oppor- an opportunity to say, you know, if you don't take this, we could always just go with WWE, right? It's that's an opportunity. Yeah. It keeps things it keeps things reasonable balance for them because they don't want to. I know we're all under the assumption that AEW is going to get a big rights increase. Uh, they will get a rights increase, big one. I don't know. I don't think we'll know to the end of the year, quite frankly, and. It's within Tony Khan's best interest, too, to not put all his eggs in the Warner Media basket. And I don't think he is either. What I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think Tony Khan is talking to other people, too? Uh, it, again, it's one of those, if he's not, he's an idiot, right? Mm-hmm. But if he's if he's not, and he's not an idiot, by the way. He's very smart, and he's done a great job with the brand. But it, if, he, if he isn't, it's very likely your theory is holding up. It's that secret that nobody knows about that Warner Brothers Discovery owns a piece of AEW, something that you've been speculating on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and you're not the only person saying that. There's been some other people out there speculating it. And I, I think it absolutely could be true. Now, this guy, his name's James, sorry, uh, James Andrew Miller. This was more speculation on his part, but because he's kind of a respected guy in the space, it started to pick up a little bit spe- of, of steam in the uh, in the wrestling media circles. But um, if, if Tony Khan isn't talking to other folks, and that was the that was the deal with Ring of Honor, right? He never pitched it to anybody else outside of the Warner Brothers family, um, and so it hasn't gotten picked up. So I don't know. Maybe maybe there is something to the fire that uh, you know. AEW and Warner Brothers Discovery, they're in more business than just, you know, buying, you know, leasing TV rights. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the mind that they are because, again, Tony didn't shop the Ring of Honor brand around. And we talk about prestige branding. 
AEW is a higher, I don't want to call it a prestige brand, but it's definitely has a higher Q score, if you will, kind of a cliche term than Ring yeah. of Honor does, right? right? Like AEW is an emerging brand. Ring of Honor has never really been a brand, right? Yeah. So, but at the same time, I've always found it interesting that Tony Khan did not make that purchase as an AEW subsidiary. He made it as his own, right? Mm-hmm. He's made that clear from day one that, oh, I own AEW or I own Ring of Honor. I've always wondered why make that a thing, you know? Yeah. So again, I, I, I think these guys are smarter than they play uh, than, than we see them, except for David Zasloff, the, the, the CEO of Warner brother discovery, who has made a, more than a handful of um, moves that have kind of bit the company since the merger, just about a year ago. Like if you look at that stock, I wish I should have sent it to you. The stock price has plummeted, hit lows in December and it's ticked up since then with talk of um, Max, the Max mm-hmm. um, uh, streaming platform. It's kind of like doing an ebb and flow thing right now. It is higher than it was at the beginning of the year, but it's not like it's not like this company is as strong as it was a year ago when there was hope that this merger could do something, could actually do something. So um, Zaslav has made a, a lot of poor decisions. Like the stuff with the DCEO has really bit him on the film department. Like it's they need a hit. Basically, they mm-hmm. need this max to to really go all out. And we've talked, I don't remember if we talked about it on this show, but I talked about it on my superhero show about the idea of shuttering AEW, um, shuttering HBO as the name of the of the platform. And I just read an interesting article about why that was a good move. It seems it seems like a a a gamble to people like us, but there are those that see HBO and think, oh, that's not for me. That's like snob TV. There are people mm. that think that. Yeah. And a lot of that is the discovery fan base, right? The people that watch mm-hmm. Dr. Pimple Popper and, you know, 90 day fiance and all those things. So they're trying to make max kind of a one-stop shop as opposed to Disney, which right. That's who HBO max was trying to compete with was Disney, but they capped themselves immediately by not being Disney. So if you're trying to go all in this all encompassing app, having pro wrestling on your station is important. And realistically, and I'm an AEW fan, I though I've made no bones about that, but having WWE on your, on your platform is more valuable than having AEW. It just is. Yeah. You know, I think there's something to that about the, the people that typically will watch discovery programming, you know, HGTV and mm-hmm. the discovery channel and things like that. They're not likely watching game of Thrones. And I'll tell no. you like, for example, my wife, she's probably never even clicked on HBO Max. We've had it for a long time. Never seen a single thing on HBO Max. She's definitely not watching Game of Thrones or anything like that. It's a bit too violent for her. Um, but she will watch Chip and Joanna Gaines every chance she gets. She just loves yeah. that stuff. Mine right? too. So, yeah, so she's she's more interested in that. So it, it just seems like the the merger of it, I don't think calling it HBO was what it would have worked. because No, I agree. You know, but but – Calling it Max, I don't know that calling it Max is better. Like, I agree with that too. Because <laughs> I associate, you know, I associate that from the 90s whenever my parents would go to sleep and I would go kick on Skin of Max at 12, uh, 12 ah, yes. on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. That's what I associate um, the Ma- Cinemax brand, you know. Uh, it just seems to me that like Discovery Plus was already kind of a big deal. You should have just called it, you know, Discovery Max or Discovery Plus, something like that. But Discovery I think Max that. Been better. Yeah, but there's also the problem that your guys like you and I, we're not really watching Discovery Channel, though. 
You know what I mean? So we're probably not going to go to Discovery Channel unless our wives make us. Now, you would have to do a lot of branding and a lot of advertising to get guys like us to go and watch the, go and watch some of the programming that they have on there. If it wasn't for Joshua Gates and Expedition Unknown, I probably would never watch the Discovery Channel. Um, Robert Irvine and the Food Network. Robert Irvine, Gail Kim. This, oh, it's not a, it's not an impact show anymore. I don't have to no, make that connection. We're, we're um, retired, damn it. We're retired, yes. It's my gag. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I would watch some Food Network stuff on occasion, but yeah, that's um, that's how you grow the fan base. So you have to if you if yeah. if the if the goal is to cast this wide net on the one service as opposed to having multiple services that can accumulate that that base together, then you have to cast a wider net, right? So, and again, I'm not a fan of Max as a name either, but let's be honest, Peacock sucks. As far yes. as the name brand goes, that's terrible. Like they could have yeah. just called it Universal. They could have called it Comcast. There's a million things they could have called it, and they went with Peacock, which is <laughs> a terrible, terrible name on so many levels. Hey, what's on? What can we rock on the cock tonight? Like you know, it's just who who are in these meetings? Like, <laughs> but at least it's consistently terrible across the board. But I do yeah. think that I do think that again, Zaslov has everything in this. If this doesn't work. That's pretty much the end of him, I would say, probably at at uh, Warner Discovery. Mm -hmm. Now here's yeah, the other. Well, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'll float this. No, and and I would say, and that if this doesn't work, I think you'll start seeing a lot of Warner Discovery products on the cock, because there's mm -hmm. also the talk of the merger between that's, Warner Brothers and and NBCU. That's exactly what I was going to bring up next. I know a lot of people talk about this like a done deal, but we lived through we lived through a supposed done deal that people were freaking out about, and that was Turner. That turns me. That was Tribune Media Sinclair, right? Mm -hmm. About four years ago, I want to say, when that there was the talk of the Tribune Media and Sinclair would create the biggest media giant in the world, would be that, and it didn't work. The government said, "Nope, too big. You're done." And then Sinclair went ahead and fell on its ass shortly thereafter. So I would be very surprised, especially with the Biden administration doing things, that this would happen. Right. I would be yeah. very surprised if that would if that would go through. I think that um, stranger things have happened. I think that I don't think it's fair to compare Fox Disney because what Fox did was Fox spun off its film television divisions and then mm -hmm. sold those to Disney. Fox or News Corp as an entity still exists in like Fox News and stuff like that. So what we right. grew up with is Fox doesn't exist anymore. It's not part of Disney, but Fox in and of itself still is a thing. So, I mean, these right. are weird. These are weird corporate things. I mean, I don't really, I don't know. The next six months are going to be really interesting. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be super interesting. Uh, it's going to be, I, I don't, I don't know that it's that um, WWE is going over to Turner, but uh, you know, who are Turner? Sorry. Warner brothers discovery. There's no more formerly there's Turner. No more Turner. <laughs> yeah, there's no more Turner. NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 
What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But hey, um, AEW, they got a lot of stuff, uh, which here, let's do this one. AEW. Hey, of, I like that. Nice. Yeah. I clicked, I, sorry. I clicked the wrong button. AEW's got a lot of stuff in the works here. Um, so AEW, this is according to, uh, the wrestling observer. And this is something that we've been kind of talking about for a while in, uh, in, in like, uh, the, 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 the dark wrestling media sites, you know, before it gets released, like, <laughs> you know, our, yeah, our, our back channels. Um, this is something that had been kind of theorized and some people knew about. Well, Dave talked about it in his observer newsletter last week. It picked up a little bit more steam this week that AEW is set to have a, uh, a brand split. And before it was going to be a soft brand split, meaning like there's probably only going to be a couple of people who aren't going to cross pollinate, but then everybody else would go back and forth. But it looks like AEW is setting up, they're gearing up to have two completely different rosters for a, an eventual Saturday show that is going to be kind of, um, you know, the guy driving the ship there would be CM Punk and then the elite would be on Wednesdays and they're going to have kind of two separate rosters. That's what the rumors are right now. I don't hate this idea at all. Right. And I think that there's a lot, I think the pessimism this comes from where WWE handles their brand split, where it doesn't, it just gets, they don't have the discipline to make it work. Does Tony have the discipline to make it work? We don't know. They have the talent. They have they have the ability to do it. Um, I don't think it's. I mean, it's what's weird. There's so many weird coincidences to me because remember, Vince tried to do this in the early 2000s with WCW, right? And then their partners, specifically USA, didn't want to work or Viacom, excuse me, not USA, Viacom, didn't want to work with WCW, so that killed that. It's fascinating to me that on the surface this should be Ring of Honor, Mm -hmm. right? But again, the media partner doesn't want to do that prestige branding, right? What, what makes sense to us fans doesn't necessarily make sense to the dollars and cents guys. So I find that the history repeating itself thing to be very, very fascinating. But it has been interesting. This has been tried throughout the course of wrestling. We saw it in USWA, right? They had the Texas and the Tennessee. Uh, Georgia and Atlanta, right, with Crockett was a thing for a long time. And that worked better, actually, than, than Crockett. Uh, Watts, that thing together worked. I think that... They have the roster. Like essentially, WWF had hard brand split. Essentially, they didn't call it a brand split, but they had the, they were running three crews in the mm-hmm. '80s and '90s, where they basically had people that never really saw each other, and they didn't have a lot of pay per views until the late '90s. So you could work for the same company, and never really see people you work with. So this isn't like unheard of, right? I I think. With the amount of talent they have and with the amount of things I hear about how AEW doesn't follow up with everything because they're always – it's so weird. It's like, well, they can't follow – you're mad because you don't follow things up, but you're mad that this guy isn't on the show this week. You can't right. do both, right? You can't you, – you don't have enough time to do both with the roster they have. So in my mind, a split roster could work. Now, is it going to? That's a different conversation. Yeah, a, a split a split roster could work if they do it properly. Um I, I don't see the Saturday show 
doing great, great numbers compared to the Wednesday show. So I think that one's always going to be invariably seen as the B show, which is what SmackDown forever kind of yeah. SmackDown forever kind of had that. And now it's flopped the other way to where raw is kind of the B show because SmackDown's on, uh, on big Fox. Right. Um, so I, I think that, but I don't think that they should worry about one show being seen as the B show. Yeah, versus I agree. The other one, I, I don't really think that that really all that matters. I think it's a good thing in the sense that all the people that we've been complaining about not getting enough TV time, we're going to have those opportunities to get more TV time. But here, here lies the problem is can Tony stay disciplined when he starts to see like, Hey, look, you know, Wednesday doesn't have CM Punk, but Saturday does. So I'm not going to watch on Wednesday. I'm going to watch on Saturday or, you know, Hey, the elite's not on Saturday. They're only on Wednesday. So I'm not, you know, you're going to have some of, some of that, not a ton because AEW fans are, they're pretty invested in the success of the company and you're going to have like a good, I would say a good five to 600,000 people watch no matter what night it's on except mm-hmm. for rampage, which nobody watches right now. But so you're, you're going to have that core audience that's going to go back. That's going to watch both of them. No matter what they have, they have decided that um, living life outside isn't as important as, <laughs> as supporting uh, AEW. So they're going to do that no matter what, but you're, you're going to have people kind of picking and choosing I think that's okay as long as you get more money, but uh, I think inevitably the ratings are going to slip a little bit. And, uh, you know, if they do, can Tony be like, okay, look, we got to bring Punk onto Wednesdays because the Wednesday show is is dipping now. It's like, oh shit, we got to we got to send the elite to Saturday because the Saturday shows are going to dip, um, and the, the attendance is going to dip. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's going to happen, and that's that's what always that's what Vince always did, right? When he would pulled the trigger. Uh, every time something would happen and the ratings would dip, he would just start sending people to both shows. Well, it's Vince because Vince had no discipline when it came to the rosters, but like it did work at first. That first yeah. year plus with Raw SmackDown, it was fine, and they right. were good TV. Like people like reminisce about the SmackDown Six era. In my humble opinion, the last pretty good era of WWE TV before recently. Right? right. I'm I'm of the mind that it it can only work, and this is different. This isn't. This isn't predicated on we just want to drive numbers. This is actually predicated on personality clashes. So they have to be disciplined about it, at least initially. If this, if we we're to believe this is real. Like, I don't know, I don't know if where this is going to stand. Like, we talk about ratings slipping. The reality is the ratings for everything will slip and will continue to slip invariably because ratings for everything continue to drop. The only right. thing on television that's up year over year is raw. That's it. Nothing else on television is moving up. And kudos to WWE. They've been disciplined for a good year about getting their ship in line. Before that, they had a 20-year trend of slipping ratings. So they mm. bucked. They are the only thing in television to buck the trend, which is what hurts with AEWs because that's the comparison. So will the ratings slip? Yes, ratings will continue to slip no matter what, no matter what they do. That being said, is can you keep can you stay ahead of or at least within the top five of cable television for your night. Because if you are, then you won. Then you're winning. All we talk about is the perception is does now, what do you care more about? Do you care about making your partner happy? Do you care about what some nerd with a Twitter handle that's paying eight bucks a month so he has his blue check (laughs) thinks about it? Yeah. (laughs) I feel like you're talking about somebody specifically. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I could be. Is there anyone specific? I was like, you dropped no. yours. I mean, I would just say it. I would just pick on you. No, 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 no. I, mean, I draw. Like- I draw. I did. I did that the first month. Well, no. So, um, you know, you can't. You can't listen to the dangors of Twitter. 
Right. Oh, uh, Gangor lost his blue check, so that's why I didn't know we were going back. Oh, okay. I'll I shit I on him later. Ha- I thought oh. he still had the blue check, so I thought we were going in on Dangor. No, I'm sure um, that's his but... parents for some some money, and they'll, <laughs> they'll pay for it. Yeah, I mean, I do. I absolutely fully believe that his parents are paying his uh, Twitter bill whenever that does come back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with with that topic, with the brand split, CM Punk and Jericho apparently had a meeting that was being mediated by FTR earlier in the week to try to smooth things over because you know CM Punk called Jericho a stooge thinking that maybe it was Jericho that spilled the beans on the whole, you know, punk uh, threatening a lawsuit and yada, or talking to lawyers and saying he wasn't going to show up and yada, yada, yada. Um, and we all know for a fact that it wasn't Jericho. Jericho's not that stupid. He told somebody else to tell Dave. So, <laughs> but he, you know, so I guess they had a meeting. It looks like they smoothed things over. It appears, you know, we're hearing from a lot of different places. It appears that they might actually be working together whenever punk comes back. So, you know, it looks like we might have a punk and Jericho appreciation society and FTR uh, branded Saturday night show with elite and uh, Moxley, uh, the, you know, BCC and the elite on, on Wednesday. But, um, yeah. Okay. Sign me up. I like the way this sounds like the <laughs> yeah, Saturday, yeah. the Saturday show has good talent. They have CM mm-hmm. punk and Chris Jericho. Like, okay. Have I seen that feud before? Yes. It's been a decade watch it again right. see what they can do now they're both in much different places and i think jericho had is positioned as a company leader and he's doing what he feels say what you want about chris jericho he will always do what he feels will help the company always constantly mm-hmm. and he's going to be the one says i'm going to swallow it i'm going to go work with chris cm punk right i'm going to yeah. show this can be done and kudos to him on that i know we don't like how he votes so he's a bad guy but like this but you is know reality. What? If if you're one of those people that you're hates Chris Jericho because he's a Republican, you are a loser, and you're a part of the problem and not part of the solution, right? JD and I vote differently than than Chris Jericho, but guess sure. what? You know what? I, I ain't got no hate for Chris Jericho because he doesn't vote for the same people as I am. Sure. You're you're part of the problem in this country. You're not part of the solution. You're being an asshole. Agreed, and it's the same thing with wrestling fandom. Like it's these people that like. We talked that we're shit on Dangora. I'll shit on Dangora a little bit. These people that like, you know, love the Undertaker walking on the ropes, but a Mexican guy does it, then you're going to post on gifts of gymnastics routines. It's like, oh, that's right. racist as all hell. Like you yeah. don't. Under, I get. I get. You don't understand lucha, but like doing stuff like that. Oh, you're a turd. You know, yeah. following your turdliness. Like the the tribalism, especially that is so magnified and fed fed online. The algorithm loves tribalism. Right. Mm-hmm. So we get inundated with it. And I give I give CM Punk our CM Punk and Chris Jericho a lot of credit for being able to say, okay, we're clearly different people. We might not like each other, but we have to go and work. We have to make this work. Right. I go to I work at a school. I don't get along with everybody. I don't vote the same way as everybody does in my building. I am I live in a county currently where I may be the only liberal in the county, my wife and I. It's entirely <laughs> possible. So I don't talk about how I vote because I'd like to get to work with my tires in one shape. It's filled up every day. <laughs> but that's just I mean, like the, the, you're right. This is the problem we have is like everyone's so like tribal and they get mad about things like people are allowed to have different opinions and people are allowed to have stupid opinions, too, as long as they don't hurt. Yeah. Anybody. Right. right. And. Yeah, and just because they vote differently than you, that doesn't mean that they're like they're they're not irredeemable, right? They're not going to hurt you, right? right. They're, not, they're not they're not going to attack you. It's like, come on, like I I dude, I grew up in a trailer, 
do you think maybe I might been one of the very few liberals in the trailer park, right? Like, like I am one of very few people that, that, that thought a certain way, but guess what? I still love the people that I grew up with. I love my family members. You know, I'm not going to treat them differently because they believe differently in me. I'm not an idiot. No. And, I, and there are people, there comes a point when you have people in your life who do, who might think a certain way and they push you to a certain spot where you cannot have relations with them anymore. Yes. And that is like, Stuff like that goes beyond your person, your political beliefs or what you think about everything. And it gets to something much more personal. Right. Mm -hmm. And those those issues are not as simple as I vote X, you vote Y. Right. right? Do I think Chris Jericho sounds like a dipshit when he talks about politics? Absolutely. Is he going to keep doing it and make a lot of money? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do I enjoy watching him on, on Wednesday nights? Yes, I do. Yeah. Will I continue to do so? Absolutely. So yeah, I but I'm a fan of this. I, I think this is great. I think we need more people. I think we need more people willing to say that guy is a complete asshole. I can make money with him if we just mm -hmm. shut the fuck up for two minutes. Sorry, Garrett. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and for all the people that want to say whatever they want to say about Chris Jericho, yeah, he's doing he's a company guy. He's gonna do he's gonna swallow the ego and the pride a little bit, and he's gonna make a little bit of money, he's gonna try to make the company better. He's willing to reach across the aisle and olive branch somebody that was absolutely rude to him. Um, so I that gives kudos to him for that. Yeah. And when and when Rick Steiner attacked Giselle Shaw, who was one of the 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 most famous guy the most famous veteran from the nineties to come out and, and, in her defense, it was Jericho, Jericho, right? A lot of people don't have those kind of guts and Jericho does. And he came to her defense big time. Mm -hmm. So you say what you want about his voting record, but I I'm here to tell you, it's very likely, you know, all his years in the business and the fact that he keeps getting employed and all these people seem to like him. He might be a nice guy despite his voting record. He might mm -hmm. very well be a good person. And to you phonies that say, well, I just don't like him on TV. He ruins everything he's in. Every time I go to a show, people will be singing Judas. Yeah. Dude yep. sells a lot of t-shirts. So don't lie to yourself. It's, it's, it's not him. It's you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, real, real quick, uh, Dax quit his podcast. Um, and by quit, I mean, uh, it looks like his boss told him he's not allowed to have a podcast anymore. He's, he's stirring up too much shit. He stirred up a lot of shit on that podcast. That's part. Okay, <laughs> let's be real. Yeah. Mike, you and I have had a podcast for two years. Two years now. We've been doing this two, over two Just years. Yeah, over two years now. Part of the fun of doing of having a podcast is stirring shit up. Yeah, Rachel Ellering right? still hates us. <laughs> fact: Rachel Ellering does in fact hate us, and by extension, so does Chris Hero. So yeah. that broke my heart when I found out I was blocked oh, by Chris Hero. Yeah. That was like a that was, that was a dark. Tough. But damn it, that joke had to be made. But that's just the thing is we can do that because you and I have no like real tangential relationships to any of these people, right? Yeah. We don't serve those masters. Our job is to be court jesters. Firmly believe that. Will you actually work there? It's a little bit harder. It's a little bit harder. <laughs> you yeah. know, when you're when you're when your hobby keeps pissing off everybody you work with, maybe it's time to tone that thing down. You know, because yeah, there is such a thing as my, self preservation. I have some advice for any Active pro wrestler that signed with a major company. Never go full JD. Everything I hate about professional wrestling. Everything I hate about wrestling is summed up into this one. And it doesn't matter if it's, it's, if it's men or women, you know, dogs. It does not matter. This is everything wrong with modern professional wrestling summed up right here. 
couple thoughts on that. What the <laughs> hell was I thinking with that hair? Like, I look back at that. I forget you had that sometimes. I go, what yeah. was I? I had that hair mm. for a year. Jesus. Two, I don't even know what I was talking about. I assume Rachel Ellering. That, that was the Ellering that was, thing that got us into all the hot water. Yeah. That yeah, was what because, got us in. What was I yeah, mad about? What because so she had that about? promo on Impact where she was crying about getting fired from WWE and her and her lifelong best friend, whom she just started tagging with the week before, they won the tag team titles and they lost the tag team titles on their first ever defense and she started crying about it in the ring. And the acting was just terrible. It was like a 20-minute segment. Is that what I think? Shit. Is that, that what, what it was? was. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. some dark. I thought it was some undead realm shit. I'm no, clearly no, I was in a clearly I was in a mood because yeah, that's a bit strong. That's a bit strong. It, dude, it thing. was it was a pretty bad segment. Yeah, I man, I've clearly blocked that out for my own safety because <laughs> I don't remember it at all. Like that's the thing though is when you have a podcast and you have to kind of steer into these things. Perhaps yeah. I was being a bit hyperbolic in that scenario. Uh, uh, Dax can't afford to do that. No. He's got to look at these guys every day when he goes to work or every yeah. week, I suppose. Yeah, it's probably for the best. And let's be honest, was that a good podcast? I never listened. Was it a good podcast? I listened to the first episode and I really liked it. Really? Um, but I never I never listened to it again after that because I just got the feeling that he was just part of the same ad-free show's grift that is anti-Dave Meltzer. Um, and he was just leaning into that audience. His co- his host, Matt Kuhn, is very much of that mold. He tried mm-hmm. to do the same thing with Dutch Mantel a few years ago where he um, was actively getting Dutch to, to tweet anti-Dave stuff. Dutch Mantel, who had never tweeted about Dave Meltzer before, all of a sudden starting a podcast with Kuhn. Next thing you know, he's tweeting all this nonsense and stirring people up. It's like, oh, he's promoting a podcast, and here's the guy. Here's the culprit right here, one of Conrad's guys. So I just got the feeling it was going to turn into that, and that's very much what it, what it turned into. So I just didn't listen to it anymore. You know, it's so funny about that, too, because like he's, he became Mr. Mental Health Advocate over the last year about how, you know, have to protect my mental health this stuff is bad for my mental health he had absolutely no problem i mean dave seems to let things just kind of roll off him like a duck you know brian seemed to get pretty upset about stuff so we're you know we're cool you know when it's my mental health then it's a thing but when i shit on your mental health then that's you know you just gotta you just gotta get tougher right yeah a little bit of a little hypocritical i mean it's probably honestly it's probably for the best and all those ad-free shows like they all start off kind of interesting and they all follow the same formula and they get boring. And it's just to get old guys to just go, remember how great wrestling used to be. It's all mm-hmm. bad today. Dave Meltzer sucks, blah, blah, blah. And they give Conrad a bunch of money. Yep. Yeah. Um, $30. They wanted $30 for the last Jim Crockett <laughs> interview. I will never get over that. $30 for a, for a quick time. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thank thank God I had uh, I had a way to get that without spending thirty dollars. Anyway, um, just, speaking of sale, sp- speaking of spending money that you wish you never spent, how was the Ringmaster book by um, uh, Abraham Weissman? Very mediocre, and I was disappointed because it had a lot of good buzz coming into it, and I was actually looking forward to reading this. The first couple chapters, which I didn't, I admittedly didn't know a lot about Vince's early life. So those first couple chapters really grabbed me and it kind of painted a picture of, boy, this is why this guy is the way it is. The rest of it read like, well, this guy, it read like an account of previous accounts. Like, right? right Reisman? I believe Reisman's how you pronounce it. Did I say, did uh, I say uh, the name wrong? I apologize. I don't, I don't remember how you said it. That's why I stuttered okay. over myself. Um, she, 
does a good job recapping work other people have done for the most part. And again, maybe this isn't a book for wrestling fans because mm-hmm. like going in, I knew the vast majority of the stuff and part of me was like, wow, you breeze through the trials so fast. You breeze through, you know, uh, Titan gate so fast. Like those in themselves could have and should have been books. Instead, mm-hmm. this come like I, I think it was I forget someone in the, our Discord said it was like a Wikipedia article. Yes, and I thought that was harsh until I was finished with the book, and it stops in late 1999. Well, I think so she's like, trying to write another one. She's trying to write a follow up book, and yeah, okay, when she was writing sense. it, that's when all the modern stuff started to break with all of the NDAs and stuff. So she paused on it for a little while. But yeah, so that was the review that I got because I, I I have this book and I I planned on reading it. I'm still probably going to read it should. on like my next you camping should. trip, um, but I heard that it's it's um, a, a giant book of plagiarism. <laughs> Just you know what I mean. It's not because it's not because she cites her sources. A lot of other people. Well, I know, but she, it's just a book full of saying, "Hey, this person wrote this. This person wrote this," and it's not really a ton of original work. No, that's, I mean, that's, like, that's what I was told. No, so. it's a lot of like, well, Bix did that, and Dave did that, and it's just like, yeah. And again, like she, she got some interviews with people. Like she did do work. It's not like it, it's not like it was just like cobbled together. But at the same time, I don't feel like any new ground was broken. I don't feel like there was enough because this book steers heavily political at many points, but not like hardcore into it. Because you could do a whole book on Vince and Trump and just make that the book. Instead, this like flirts with lots of different things, but doesn't really commit to anything. Like, and that's my, that was my biggest issue with the actual content is there's no, like, there's no, like, straight commitment to, to a thing. Like, again, the, the, the Titan Gate stuff, Mel Phillips, like, that could be, you could really dig, really dig into that. And they, they talk about it, but I mean, like, I'll be honest, like, between the sheets with, with Bix and Chris, and Chris Zeller did a better job uncovering all that stuff and really unearthing things. And I feel like, I feel like the book just, it didn't live up to those things. And I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. And also we talked, what colored me on this too is I'm an audible person. Cause you know, I'm a busy guy. So, and I, but I love to read. So I have my audible subscription, Alice wine, wine glass. I forget the name of the, I think it's like wine glass, something like that. The, the narrator was one of the worst narrators I've ever seen Ooh. in my life. And what I say is, is like her delivery is okay, but, what bothers me about these narrators, and I read a book called the same way called The King in New Orleans about Junkyard Dog, and I read it about three years ago. This was the same thing, is when these goddamn narrators can't do a single bit of research to figure out how to pronounce things correctly. Right? I had a running tally of them in, in our Discord, just of all the, the, the things that were driving me nuts that they mispronounced. The worst, the most egregious is when she referred to the NWO as Enwa. <laughs> Enwa. JD. So you you are a uh, your documentarian and you have audio and video editing skills. I need you to clip the inwa and so we can have Done. it as a soundbite. Done. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. It's so. And it's like it's. And again, I, my first thought was, well, why can't these? Because again, I'm an independent writer too, so I understand the the, the way you get it, like you get a body. Your audio books are tough and they're expensive. But I'm like, man, why can't these publishers at least like help these narrators out? Give them a pronunciation guide. And I'm sure as an author, it's got to piss you off. So then I looked up. Reisman's Twitter page, and there's a picture of the two of them hugging each other, and she's sitting there talking about how great a performance it was. And I'm like, you fucking liar. 
You fucking liar. You didn't even listen. Because there's no goddamn way a guy who's writing about wrestling lets Enwa be the pronunciation. There's no way that you hear that and you give the okay of it. So you're a liar. And that's another reason why it really colored my opinion on this book. Because I think that she lied. And that yeah. bothers me. Because clearly, like, you didn't take, you didn't take this, what was it, nine hours that it would have taken to listen to this book. You didn't bother to do it and okay your own work. And as a writer, laziness pisses me off. And that's what a lot of this felt came off to me. It came off as lazy. So, I mean, like, it's in, in my opinion, it was a tad mediocre, just the whole package. And again, the, uh, the audiobook really colored my perception on this, too. So I will, not, I will not not say that it didn't. But I, I came out of this book really feeling like, okay, what's, uh, what, what, what's Stephen King thing that I miss next? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm on the shining now. So, I mean, like, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was really, it was really disappointing, but I would like to have you read this yourself at some point and tell me what you think. I, I, I will do that. Um, so <laughs> we, we we're running out of time here. So oh. WWE and AEW, they got work shoots going on. Uh, Drew Galloway deleted, uh, all the WWE references off of his Twitter. <laughs> Rumor has it that by the end of the year, he's coming a free agent. Uh, Becky Lynch also is doing work shoot stuff on Twitter. Um, but that. That's less of a work shoot. I think she's just working a storyline on Twitter as opposed to trying to make things make people believe that what she's doing is real. But uh, you know, Drew Galloway, you think this guy leaves WWE by the end of the year? I would be surprised, but I was also yeah. surprised when Cody Rhodes left AEW. That's so true. anything is possible. And yeah. if I'm Tony Khan, I would welcome him with open arms oh, because 100%. he's awesome. He's, he's awesome. Great. You know, we're That's Impact, great. guys. He was great in Impact. And I do – do I think he's been underutilized in WWE? Yeah, I do. Yep. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Same, so, same uh, here. I, 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 thought, I thought he should have beat uh, Roman at Clash of the Castle last year. They could have flipped the belt back to Roman eventually, but I I, I was disappointed in that. But uh, Does this I, now, I, does the 1,000-day reign thing really matter? Does it? I, no. Does, does it matter to me? No. Um. Will it matter to people when they're rewriting history 20 years from now? That's probably the, what mm -hmm. they're going to say yeah. over and over again. That's what they're looking at, right? And yeah. you know how they introduced Bruno, the total collective days as world champion? They introduced him as that, the the kayfabe number of sellouts he had in Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. Like, does that matter to the everyday folks? But no, but whenever, like 20 years from now when they're retired, that's going to be one of those things that they write in the storybook. That's just all that they're doing. So I don't think it sells an extra ticket today, though. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I think that um, they could have. I think we. Uh, I think there was such there was such a period where belts didn't flip flop so often that I think we steered the other way, where everyone has to hold belts forever, or it's like terrible. Like people were yeah. freaking out about Hobbs only having the TNT thing for a month, and it's like, well, that's kind of how all of them are, right? It's a TV title. This isn't Memphis where the belts change hands every week, like. Right. But it doesn't have to be like. Brian made a good point on Wrestling Observer Radio saying if if everything is an epic title reign, nothing is an epic title reign. Agreed a thousand percent, you know, because they got Bianca's reign and mm -hmm. Uso's reign and Roman Reigns' reign. Um, not, none of it none of it really matters if everybody's doing it all at the same time. Right. right. So I kind of I kind of like I kind of like how the title reign situation is kind of going the other side of the coin a little bit on the other side of the street, a little bit more, but I just like, I don't know. That being said, if, if drew Galloway, I would be surprised. I would be surprised to let that guy go, but yeah. money is important. Like if he don't what? feel like he's getting his worth and let's be honest now that endeavors running things, 
if you pay attention to UFC, all the <laughs> paychecks aren't going to go up. Francis Ngannou says hi, everybody. If you yes. if you think that anybody that a guy like Drew McIntyre is expendable, yeah, um, professional boxer Francis Ngannou, correct? Uh, I he's trying. I don't think it's going to work, but he is definitely trying. Um, next topic. Oh, hold on. Next topic. Uh, we got some free agency talk. We're going to start with uh, Nick Aldis, former NWA champion. He uh, resurfaced in Impact Wrestling this past week. He uh, he challenged Steve Macklin. Uh, th- that match is going to happen eventually. It's not happening at the next show like everybody thought. It's actually going to be happening down the line. But uh, he signed with Impact Wrestling, and I think this is a perfect fit for him. We've been saying this for months. Oh, yeah. I think they waited too long. Here's a question. Is that an impact official graphic or is that just somebody no. whipped that up to make fun of AEW? Cause it's so pretty my, good. Uh, a buddy of mine, Jeff from the talking nonsense about impact wrestling podcast. Oh, okay. yeah. He whipped that up. Uh, it's and good. Put it on it's Twitter, well and uh, I, I hope he doesn't mind that I stole that for the podcast. Don't, this isn't it's... going on YouTube. This is just for us. It keeps me on track. If I have the PowerPoint that way, I don't have to look at my notes all the time. So that's why like not all the stuff's going on YouTube. It's just for, just for me to stay on track. But uh yeah, so I mean, I, I this is a great fit. I mean, Mickey's here, obviously, so that that makes a ton of sense. And uh, you know, he came out. He the guy. Look, say what you want about Nick Aldis. You, you know, you're probably not going to get five star classics out of Nick Aldis, but he he can have a he can have a pretty good match. He uh, he looks the part. He's a great talker. He mm-hmm. could probably get you more into the UK market than you already are because he has those connections over there. Back uh, and in the he, UK market. Where yeah, and he and he very much carries himself like a star and a world champion. Mm-hmm. And nobody else seems to want the guy. And it's probably because he's always carrying himself like a star and a world champion. So um, and impact with the with the way that they're going right now, with the way that AEW looks like they're gonna be running three separate rosters with the two brands on AEW and then the Ring of Honor brand. You got WWE running three separate rosters. Uh you know, impact is just going to be having to find these stars that really nobody else wants. And that's, that's, you got, that's where you get Nick Aldis. I think this is a great move. He, he's an impact guy. This is Magnus. It's Magnus. Mm -hmm. He's home. Like, and you know, I'll be honest with you. I would tell the original all in Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis was a much better match than you think it was. I really liked that match. I liked it a lot. I thought it, it was the match that I remember most on the card, other than Marty Squirrel driving me crazy with that boring <laughs> ass. He brought Okada down to his level. Yeah, God, I hate that guy. Yeah. Um, more more notes, really quick. I didn't give everybody a graphic because I was running out of time. But um, um, Jordan Grace, more impact talk. Jordan Grace is headed towards a free agency. Man, um, if if I'm a betting man, I think I'm going to bet AEW here for Jordan Grace. I could see that. Jo- Gresh was really apologetic with what he said about Tony Khan. And I'm like, that's interesting. Like guys in therapy, he's, he's, that was a great article, by the way. And he was Very really nice. introspective. It was really a great piece to read, but it was like, it felt, inter- it felt interesting to me. And I was like, wow, does he want to come back? Perhaps no, but it, I don't know. I know his wife might be looking for work. And I think she fits in better there with her outside stuff than she probably does over at WWE. Yeah. Um, uh, Commander, uh, AAA star. He actually he's a full time AEW guy now. He signed with AEW. He'll do. Uh, he'll be like Pentagon of Phoenix. So when he's not doing 
a triple a stuff he'll show up and do be an attraction ring of in uh aw and that's great we need more attractions in wrestling not everybody should be on the show every week some guys have to be special and to be special you can't be on every week they kill what happened when andre the giant became a week-to-week character in wwf television he was just a dude in the heenan family when he was an attraction traveling the world, and granted he was younger and healthier, he was special. Some guys need to be special, and some of these lucha guys, I think less is more in some cases. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think this is a great signing by AEW. I think people are going to be upset that Commander's probably not going to win a lot of matches for a while. He's like, he's got to be what, 19, 20 years he's like old? 20. He's a kid. Yeah. He's a kid. Like, let the guy. Like, they're gonna bring him. He's gonna do some cool stuff, and then eventually, the guy. They're they're probably gonna do something with him. It's just not gonna happen right away. He's just gonna come into his Roblox stuff, and it's gonna be cool on TV. But he's mm-hmm. not likely to win a lot of matches very soon. They don't and do that. They don't. They, don't, they no. don't sign guys and push them out of the gate. Anybody. They just. That's no. just not the way Tony Khan does things. No. Yeah. They. They kind of. Uh, unless you're like a Brian Danielson, CM Punk level, right? But if you're Different. a commander. Yeah. An unknown guy, yeah, he's gonna come in and you're gonna rise through the ranks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Holiday, I thought this was interesting. He just recently left MLW. Cancer survivor, he just uh, was in re- oh, he remission. Oh, he beat it. He's in remission. Yeah, he did the whole thing, did the whole ringing of the bell. I saw that on Twitter, almost cried, but I did. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he's, he's now a free of MLW man. Um, I, this is one of those things like he's got a buddy in AEW and, and AEW is going to be running three separate rosters. I like Richard Holiday. I don't think his in-ring work is to the level of AEW would want, but he's got some charisma. He's got a good look. I, you know, maybe they could use him. I don't know, but he clearly has a connection there with MJF. Yeah, if I were if I were Impact, I, I would try to get Richard Holiday and Alicia. To, yeah. I would try to get. I would. That package was working really well there before he got sick. Like I think Alicia, that, um, that's Ali- Alicia you- a toot. Yeah, <laughs> I think I don't know if they're a real life couple. If that was just on TV, but they actually had really good chemistry on screen. Yeah, um, I saw some I, of the clips, and they look like they're getting into some boner jams or something. Uh, uh, um, no argument. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think that's a I think that is a guy. And if you bring him in as a baby face, he's a cancer survivor, right? You could steer into that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you bring him in as a heel, he's a really good heel. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I AEW is so log jammed right now. Right, I, I know, but I just I just see them like they re-signed Sean Spears. Why? I just because they need more people. He doesn't add to the roster, right? Has anybody ever gone to an AEW show? Like, man, I can't fucking wait for Sean Spears to hold up the ten sign. Never happened ever at an AEW show. They brought the guy back. I think they're just putting bodies on the roster to gear up because they need a lot of people for this second brand. That's why I was like, maybe AEW, but you you said impact impact needs, you know, needs people, but they keep their roster super small. So when one person leaves, they bring in one person to fill that thing. They, it seems like they have a cap on the amount of people they're going to be bringing in at all times. It does, but I think he's a guy who could use a fresh coat of paint. And I think that I hate cliches. I think that, and I think he could work in that raw. I think he could work there because he yeah. has something different. We don't have a. I guess if you have Aldis, he's kind of like the. But I think I don't know. Is Aldis going to? I'm I am on a break from Impact. Yeah. Is Aldis? A, he's a baby face right now, right? They're bringing he's, him in. He's definitely a baby face right now. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. So you could bring him in as a heel. Like I think that I, I think it could work. I. That's a no brainer. I don't know if WWE touches him. Especially I, I, after the cancer thing. 
you know, you'd think they would like the the beating cancer thing because they like those types of stories, but I think because they're worried about his health and mm-hmm. um, and they and they you know kind of Roman Reigns uh, battling leukemia, and I know that yeah, that's that's a tough thing, right, for everybody. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know that they do that. I, I I think your idea is probably the best idea is to for Impact to to sign the guy. Um, Tessa Blanchard is making a comeback across the Canadian indie scene. Um, any chance she gets picked up by any type of TV promotion? There's always a chance, yeah. but I think that TV promotions. And again, we had this conversation last week because are people not allowed to work ever again when they mm-hmm. screw up? And that is, that is up to the employer to figure out her screw up is man. They, we joke. I joke about no one ever being successfully canceled. Tesla was successfully canceled. <laughs> She, like they she, canceled Tessa and she's been gone for years. So the thing is though, and people are misinterpreting what she was actually canceled for. So she had the altercation with La Rosa Negra, right? Yes. And, and people said this was alleged, right? So I, I can't, I'm not verifying alleged. this alleged that she had, she had used the N word in an altercation with La Rosa Negra. Now um, she didn't get canceled for that. She actually no. didn't lose her job until six months later when she no showed impact and threatened to kind of you know toss the belt or whatever she she essentially held impact up for money impact said eat shit stay in mexico we don't want you and she's never been seen on tv again they tried to bring her back in the wow superheroes but she got fired from there too because she's tessa and she burned like she pisses yeah. people and, off wherever she goes and she's she told his daughter she yeah. is and she was and she was a bully to a lot of the other female wrestlers too as well. Well, here's the thing too is i know that impact fired her because of the title holding up the title thing yeah everybody else she was nuclear to everyone else before that right because of the stuff of la rosa negra and anywhere she go i mean like she's gonna have that specter with her wherever she goes because people are gonna bring it up and it's gonna be a thing and it's very hard to say well i'm not like that anymore look she forgave me and like it's hard man and mm-hmm. like her reputation, not just that, but she has that bully reputation where there's not a lot of people willing to advocate for her. Like, I know she's got fans, some of them are good friends of ours, but realistically, like she doesn't have a lot of friends that are willing to sit there and go, you know, I will speak up for Tessa. Like nobody really advocates for her. Yeah. So lately, it, lately, and this is our friend Lucha Doncic, mm-hmm. he, uh, he loves Tessa loves Blanchard. Her. Mm-hmm. Like I almost banned him from saying the word Tessa in our chat because he talks about <laughs> goddamn Tessa so much. But you know, he did notice that Impact had been sharing Tessa um clips lately on all their socials, and Tessa has been doing the same. And she's doing the Canadian tour. Uh we reached out to a friend a mutual friend of ours, um, who is a wrestling expert, um, but we're not gonna name him. <laughs> <laughs> inside joke between me jd and our buddy from uh, from our chat earlier today but uh um and and people are thinking it's a real possibility that she can come back and that she could possibly even go back to impact so i i you know i i don't know but her name resurfaces every six months or so again it's just like are people never supposed to work again i don't have an answer to that question but with her it just seems to stick more than everybody else yeah, because it's, it's not like it's not like a so people have gotten canceled for specific incidents and then they come back, mm-hmm. right? And they they get brought back. It just seems like she's the type of person nobody wants to work with. I think like it's I not think, it's not like a DUI situation, right? right? It's not like 
where she went on a racist rant on Twitter or she was secretly recorded or it, this was like, she was a bully to a lot of people and nobody wanted to work with her. I think that's the thing is I think that the problem is, is nobody likes her. Yeah. Right. Like, and I think that hurts more for, for promoters and stuff like that. If you bring her in, you have to deal with the online baggage that comes with her all like the, the racism stuff, right. Charges with legend, right. whatever. The people in the business don't seem to really like her all that much, which I think is a worse thing. Like she's not, she's almost, she's like blackballed. It's more because mm -hmm. people are like, oh, can't stand her than anything yeah. else, you know? And that's yeah. bad. Right. It's like, like you could fuck up, but if people like you and, and you can draw some money, you're, you're likely to get brought back, right? Like you Jeff know, Hardy is a prime example I was just of that. Gonna say, have He's you, a prime have, example of that. Have you ever heard anybody ever say, you know, Jeff Hardy's a dick. Nobody no. ever says that. He's a guy with demons who's got problems, but everybody talks about how good a person Jeff Hardy is, right? Yeah. And like, if you can make money and you're well-liked, Hulk Hogan is Hulk Hogan and he gets chance after chance. You know, yeah. he's never, that guy's never going to be fully canceled. And same with Ric Flair. WWE's got Ric Flair back in. And that, that whole he, mess got. Yeah, people like Ric Flair. People mm -hmm. like Hulk Hogan, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, nobody seems like Tessa. Nobody um, likes Tessa. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, before we go, a couple more things. I just wanted to say, um, you know, Steve Macklin, my guy, I interviewed Steve Macklin last year. He's the new uh, reigning Impact World Champion. And at the latest tapings, he um, he is going uh, doing an anti-Canadian gimmick. And I just think that's weird to turn a guy babyface so quickly after being a heel for such a long time. Um, because honestly, I'm on Steve Macklin's side. Those sons of bitches in Canada have been talking shit since 1812. It's about time one of our Marines went up there to get the respect that we deserve from those bastards. <laughs> I was just going to let that go. I know you were looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah. so. Sorry, I, but we're, we're running out of time. Um, hey, not non-wrestling stuff. I watched the season finale of Mandalorian. Me God too. Damn, just just finished was, it. Dude, no, we won't do any spoilers, but that was fantastic, dude. I said this on Twitter afterwards. I said Mandalorian is the best thing Star Wars has given us since Empire Strikes Back. It's that good. I agree. It's, yeah. it's so... It's good. And like people are like, look, if you if you were looking for like big reveals and like stuff like that, you're not going to get that. You what you're going to get is just the bookend of a really good story. And that's yeah. really all I want. I'm very happy with it. Yeah, I'm you know, Mandalorian every season starts off a little slow mm -hmm. and then you get into it. But once you get into it, damn, does it suck you in? And it's so Absolutely. good. It, it, it is so good. So good. Um, speak oh, Return of the Jedi coming back to theaters. Oh, did you, you hear that? Yes, you best. I already talked to Andy. We're going to go. I told him we're going to watch it because he's never actually seen. He's only seen Return of the Jedi because he likes Luke versus the Rancor. He thinks right. that's just the coolest scene in movie history. So I'm going to we're going to now that he's older. We're going to watch the first two Star Wars movies. We're going to have him watch um, you know, New Hope and, and Empire. And then we're going to we're going to go to the theater to see it because that was the first movie I ever saw in the theater. Oh, wow. I was three years old, and I it's one of the earliest memories I have. Because I remember grabbing the back of the theaters, the seat in front of me, pretending I was an Ewok on a speeder bike, and my dad <laughs> clapping my hand. Yeah. So, yeah. Very excited about that. Yeah. First movie I ever saw in theater was, um, man, it was uh, Rocky Five at the drive in. 
Went saw Rocky oh, Five at the drive-in yeah. theater. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The worst Rocky. I was my first movie. <laughs> Far and away, yeah. worst Rocky. I was I was a kid and I loved oh, yeah, it. It didn't right. matter, yeah. right? It was just the boxing scenes were great. So. Oh yeah, I didn't realize how bad Rocky Five was till I was like 15, and I watched it again. Yeah. We were at a friend's house. We were like, "Damn, this sucks!" Like it was yeah. like disappointing the first time you realize a movie you like is actually terrible. A uh, movie I really liked. I watched uh, watched last week. Super Mario Brothers. Have you seen that one yet? I have. I reviewed it on my Superhero Speak podcast. It's oh, a damn dude. good movie. It is a damn good movie. It, to me, it blows the original movie away. Well, like, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, original dude, the original garbage. I know, but when I was a kid, it was awesome, right? Because it was a Super Mario movie. But then I watch it as an adult, and it's terrible. It doesn't hold up well at all. But I still enjoyed watching it because it rem- it took me to a place in time of my life when I was a kid. So it kind of brought me back to being a kid. So check check this out. It basically has the exact same plot. It's basically yeah. the same movie. It's just the one is done way better than the other way, one. Wait, wait, bet. I think the one that they just released that one's going to be a classic for a long, long time. I think time. so. Yeah. It's yeah, blown away. It's, it's it's killing at the box office. It's the most successful animated film that's come out in years. Like yeah. DreamWorks has a hit. DreamWorks, right? I think it's DreamWorks has a hit on their hands, and they're going to be quickly ushering Super Mario Brothers two into production. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. So here, uh, I'll end. We'll end the show with this little quick story. So, uh, my, I on my way to WrestleMania, I stopped off at my cousin's house. It's about halfway in between LA and the Bay Area, and we spent the night at her house. And we we get there and we're having dinner. She's like, "Hey, do you want to play some video games?" I'm like, "Ah, you know, I don't really play video games anymore." And she goes, "But it's a regular Nintendo." And I was like, "Okay, you have a regular Nintendo." She brings out a regular. I was like, "Where did you buy that?" And she goes dad bought that for me back in 1986. I just never got rid of it. I've just had the same regular Nintendo in my house. And yeah. then she has the the regular Nintendo with all kinds. She has like 20 games there. No way. And I was looking through the games. I was like, you're shitting me. She's like, yeah, I've just kept it this whole time. And now my kids are playing it. They put in super Mario, super Mario on there. And I'm like, you know, I, I thought I was going to start crushing these, these little twerps in it, but they're better at it than I am. I haven't played in 20 years. And, she had the regular Nintendo, and I'm teaching my daughter how to play the original Mario Brothers on regular Nintendo, and that was my daughter's introduction to Super Mario, and then I showed her the trailer for Super Mario Brothers. She's like, Daddy, I want to watch that, and so I got to go take her to the movies the following week. So I got to teach her about the regular Nintendo, and then I got to take her to Super Mario Brothers within a week. That's an incredible dad story. That is a cool dad story. Andy discovered it through Mario Kart, because we have a Wii from like uh, oh probably 2007 2008 ish and so he was playing the wii and so he really got into the stuff that way and his buddy at school was a big yoshi fan so he he Mm. had a tangential knowledge of mario so now he's he's thinks it's the coolest thing in the world not as cool as pokemon all the cool kids at school are into the pokemon oh really yeah my kid's an expert now in pokemon apparently you know like they're so there's a couple of guys at work that uh, they get on their phone and they walk around at night in parks looking at fucking goblins or something. They're chasing them oh, around yeah. on Pokemon Go. My kid does that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On my phone. Yeah. And they, they try to make fun of me for watching wrestling. And I'm like, you go around chasing goblins on your goddamn phone at night in parks. <laughs> I think that you should be arrested for that. But you guys like that. Nobody should make fun of anybody's nerdy habits because you break it down. You're a dork. Something about yes. you is a dork. Even if you're a fantasy football guy, you're a freaking oh. dork. 
Like I'm a fantasy football guy, and it's basically Dungeons and Dragons for failed ducks. That's all it is, man. It's <laughs> the exact same thing. Everybody, yeah. I never got into D and never got into fantasy football, but goddamn, have I read a shit ton of comic books? So <laughs> yes. everyone's yeah. a nerd about something. Yeah, says so the two guys right. in the wrestling podcast. Oh, that's like peak nerddom is two guys oh. talking about wrestling and super Mario brothers on a podcast. Dorks. Freaking dorks. Dorks. I got to go back to my wife and she's got to look at me like I'm masculine. She's fucking <laughs> lost all respect for me. Doing um, this show. We've been there for 20 years <laughs> with my wife. She gets it. Yeah. Uh, well, Hey guys, uh, you know what? I, I knew we weren't going to be able to top last week's show, so I didn't even try, nope. but I thought this was a pretty good episode. <laughs> we had a lot of cool stuff to talk about. And until next week, mahalo. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.